All right, we're starting a new sermon series this morning. We're going to be uh, in two places in the Bible, Romans chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So it's towards the back of your Bibles. Um, it's two big letters that Paul wrote to two churches. And uh, the, what we're looking at, the topic we're discovering is, what does the church look like? What does the church look like, right? So a lot of people um, have in mind that church is a place they go. Um, it's from Sundays from 11 to 12. And what you see in the Bible is a radically different picture of the church. And, and Paul gives us this picture, calls it a body. I was talking to uh, my two youngest last night. I said, if you had to pick a picture to describe the church, what would you pick? And one of them said, a pack of wolves. You know, and I, I like that, right? You stick together, and she goes, yeah, the babies are the baby wolves, the adults are the adult wolves, and we go together. And I'm like, that's a pretty good picture. And so when you think of the church, what I want us to do for the next few weeks, I want us to look at the church as a body. And you're going to see how diversity flourishes in unity. And you're going to see how God has gifted us for our good and His glory. And so this is going to be a challenging sermon series, but I think a healthy sermon series. And so I'm going to ask Jeffrey to come up and read a couple verses from Romans chapter 12. Come on up. And then Coach Tuck, if you will, read the uh, Corinthians passage. This is Romans chapter 12, and he's reading uh, verses 3 through 6. For the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with a sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as one in body, we have many members, and many members do not all same, have the same function. We are many people, many are in the body of Christ, individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Perfect. Good deal, Jeffrey. All right, Cam. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 7. It says, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit, and there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things and all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. Uh, in verses 11 through 20, it says, but one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. For even as the body is one, and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot says, because I'm not a hand, I'm not part of the body, it is not for this reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, because I'm not an eye, I am not part of the body, it is not for this reason any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them in the body, just as he desired. If they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members, but one body. Amen. All right, let's dig in here. So talking about the church as a body and each member connected, uh, being used by God for our good, his glory. We're going to look. Here's the problem. We're jumping into two books already halfway through. 
Right? If you look, Romans chapter 12, most of the letter is already written. If you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, most of the letter is already written. And so one thing I want us to be careful about is I don't want us to assume that we are already in the church. That we already are, are walking with Jesus, that we belong to Christ, because there is only one way into the church. And it's through Christ. There's a verse in Romans chapter 12, verse 5. So we, though many, are one body. How are we one body? How are we a church? We are one body in Christ. In Christ. Christ is the door that all of us have to walk through. There is no other way to be a member of a church. Now, you might belong to an organization by other means, but the only way to belong to the church of Jesus Christ is through him. And we see this in Romans chapter three it says all of sin falling short of the glory of God. You and I are in desperate need for a way to God because our sin separates us. And so Paul here is very, very clear. We have a problem. The same problem that Jameer has, I have. I can't get to God on my own. Jameer can't get to God on his own. We need somebody to stand in the gap. Our sin separates us. But then we see in Romans 5, 8, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, while we were messed up people, what happens? Christ died for us. So long ago, Jesus knew that you and I couldn't make it to the Father, came to us, died on a cross for us rose from the grave so we might have life. It's through his payment that we can belong to the church. In Romans 6, 23, it says the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. How? In Christ Jesus, our Lord. You want eternal life? It's in Christ. Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who, what? Are in Christ. Guys, it's the theme that Paul keeps hitting on. In Christ, in Christ, in Christ. And then, just in case we forgot, in 1 Corinthians, he talks about how the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. God doesn't come to earth to die on the cross. That's not how he would save people. Right? Usually a king comes to conquer. It's a strange way to conquer, isn't it? But when you look at defeating death, he defeated death by overcoming death through the grave. And the grave is now empty. That's foolishness to a lot of people. But for us who are being saved, that's salvation. And then you see in Ephesians, Ephesians 2, 1 says we were dead in our trespasses and sin. Right? Dead. No life, spiritually speaking. But we see in verse 4, but God being rich in mercy... Because of his great love, which he has for us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And then 2, 8, 4, by grace, you have been saved through faith. So I, I want us to be careful here as we get into uh, spiritual gifts. And, and I want us to be, I want us to look, I want us to uh, not be, as Paul said this, uh, don't be uninformed. Don't be ignorant about spiritual gifts, talking to the church at Corinth. I, I want us to know about our spiritual gifts. Because a healthy church has every member working. And as every member works, the body is built up. And so I want to see that as Redemption Church. But I want to make sure we don't assume that everybody who shows up to a gathering is considered a member. And so the first thing that we have to do this morning is ask the question, am I in Christ? You have to nail that down. Well, how does that happen? 
Romans 10, 13 says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So, I mean, it, it's clear. Do you know you can't get to God on your own? Until you come to that fact, you'll never call on Jesus to save you. So you might think you don't need a Savior. And so is that a conviction in your heart? For me, that was easy. I knew I was separated from God. I knew I couldn't get to Him. I knew I needed a Savior. So I run to the cross. And I call on God to save me. I, I count Christ's righteousness as my own, and He took my sin. And so in Christ... I'm a part of the body. And my story can be your story. That's what God does. He makes dead people come alive through faith in Christ. And so right now, that's your call. That's what you have to examine. That's what you have to nail down before we move on to what's next. All right. So when later on in the service, I'm going to ask you to write down. It's a question. Are you in Christ? And you can say, I want to know more about salvation. Write down salvation and where it says prayers and concerns or whatever it says right there. So you'll write down salvation when we get to that part. All right. So let's keep moving forward. Number one, by grace. By grace. This is very, very, very important. Your giftedness is not deserved. God gives it. It's a gift. You see this in Romans 12, 6, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Or you have in 1 Corinthians uh, 12, 6, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. God's doing this. Or in 1 Peter 4, 10, as each has received a gift. It's a gift. You can't brag about a gift. And so there's two things that this does to us. One, it humbles us. And two, it should make us hungry. And so you see, Paul said, and Jeffrey, you did a great job reading. It says in 12.3, For by grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Now listen, that is a strange thing to say in today's time. Because if you're around people long, you know they have a very high esteem for themselves, a very high value that they place on themselves. If you're a coach, you understand this perfectly. Right? As a football coach, it's amazing how many guys think they should be the one scoring the touchdowns. So we have a guy that can't walk fast, let alone run, think he should be the running back. My man can't run. You can't carry the ball. You would get killed. Or we have a guy that says he's the best wide receiver in the school. The only problem is he can't catch a cold, but he should be a wide receiver. And then when it comes to basketball, everybody thinks they should be getting the more and more shots, right? If he missed, it was because the wind was coming. It was because he was cold, one stretched out, right? Just give him another shot. Everybody wants to shoot the basketball. It's amazing how highly we think of ourselves. And so when we come to the church, there are some people in the church that think they have every spiritual gift. They're a one-man band. Their church is great, made up of themselves. They do all the teaching, all the preaching, all the serving. They have every gift covered. And so Paul here, and that's what's happening in the church of Corinth. You talk about a crazy church. Read the first couple chapters of 1 Corinthians. Whew. You got people sleeping with people that shouldn't be sleeping together, not married, doing all sorts of stuff. You have people getting drunk at the Lord's Supper. Like this is a crazy church. And then you have people say, well, I've got this gift and this gift and this gift. Craziness. And Paul says, hey, this is by grace. You don't deserve it. You should be humbled. God's given you this gift 
so the church can flourish, not yourself. And I've given it to you, so what are you bragging about anyways? That's what Paul was saying. But then I love the, the next part. You should be hungry. Romans 12, 6 says, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Or in 1 Peter 4, 10, As each has received a gift, use it. So this past summer we went and uh, saw David Crowder in concert down at our, our student life trip in Daytona. And it's an amazing thing how talented these guys are. Right? So you have a guitar, a cello, a violin. But I I'm not sure what this is. I'm not sure. It's not a cowbell. I'm not sure. But I know what these are. You got bells on ankles. Now listen, I am not super talented when it comes to music, but I think I can stomp my foot to a beat and jingle some bells. But you want to know what David Crowder does, his band? He gets guys and plugs them into their giftedness. Isn't that a pretty cool thing? So if you want to play the guitar, we got you. If you want to play a cello, you'll have an opportunity. Man, they get after it. I love that about that band. It's a unique band. Everybody doing different things, and they are hungry to do it. I cut grass for a long time with that, and we have these things called laser. They're zero-turn mowers. If you've ever mowed with one of these, this is fantastic, right? This is fantastic. You, you go, all you got to do is pull the handles in, push, you're off. You can cut some grass. Well, the problem is we've been doing this for a few years now. Our, our mowers were getting a little bit older, and the electric went out on our laser. And so we couldn't get the blades on. It wouldn't snap on. Obviously, you can't cut grass when you can't get the blades going. So we took it to the shop. They said, oh, no problem. We'll have it for you tomorrow. Well, Dad comes back with his trailer to pick up the mower. And they're like, ah, oh, man, we had to send it off to a shop. It was a little bit bigger problem than we thought. But we had this demo. Well, the demo was a brand new 60-inch mower. The engine was huge. Horsepower after horsepower. And so we get this laser, and you can see this knob right here. You think, well, what's the big deal about this? This is called a floating seat, right? Which means when you hit uh, holes and rocks and molehills, all of a sudden you just feel like you're floating. You don't feel it. The laser that I use with that, man, your whole spine felt that bump. So we're on this thing, and we're using it. We're just flying. We got 100 hours of mowing time out of this in a week and a half. The thing didn't come off the grass. We just kept using it, kept using it. You know what though? Dad didn't say, hey, look at how awesome our company is. Look at this mower, this $13,000 mower. Look at it. He didn't brag about it. He just uses it. It's a gift given to us by this place so we can keep mowing because they had to fix our mower. So man, we're just going to use it. We're thankful and we get after it. That's the same way when it comes to your gift. You have gifts given to you by God. That should humble us that the God of the universe would give us a gift and it should make us hungry. Let's use it. Let's use it. It's like Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. Think about if he was just a spectator, not using his gift as a quarterback. What a wasted opportunity. What a wasted gift. Don't be that guy. Don't be that girl. Use your gift. All right, which comes to the second point. So not only do we get it by grace, but it is your gift. Three things here. If you are in Christ, you have been given a spiritual gift. So if you're in Christ, you have a gift. Now, real quick, it's not your personality, right? It's, it's not your work ethic, although those things can help support it. That, that's not what we're talking about. And we'll talk more about this over the next two weeks, spiritual gifts. This is a gift given to you, energized by God. 
fueled by the Holy Spirit. And so, number one, you've been given a spiritual gift. First uh, Corinthians twelve seven. Each is given. So I have a gift, and if John is in Christ, he has a gift, and if Balaam is in Christ, she has a gift. And so all of us in Christ have at least a gift. And then uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 11, all these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually. Or in 1 Peter 4, 10, as each has received a gift. You've received a gift. You have been gifted, which gets us to number two. There's a variety of gifts. And you see this again and again. There's a variety of gifts. There's a variety of services, a variety of activities. There's so many different gifts given to the church. It's a unique gift. You bring something special to the table that no one else brings. That God has gifted you and arranged you to be a specific place at a specific time for a specific purpose. Which leads to the third point. God has gifted us and arranged each member of the body of Christ. God's gifted you and placed you exactly where he wants you. That is an amazing and humbling fact. You see, coaching, one of the struggles that we have is getting guys in the right spot. When you make cuts, you may make a mistake. I might have made a mistake in the past. As a matter of fact, my first year coaching, um, Andrew was on my first year team as a freshman at Boone County. That was my first year. So I'm, I'm going through growing pains. I obviously don't know uh, everything as a coach. And I'm looking at guys and I'm like, hey, I'm going to put this guy at point guard. He's pretty quick. Uh, he can handle a ball. But the problem is he was handling the ball against our second team in practice who wasn't very good. And then when we go over plays, five on zero, which means five of your guys and no defense, uh, he was really good at that. He could pass the ball and dribble and get the guys in the right spot. The only problem is in our first game, when we had guys that were as big as him and as quick as him, and there was pressure on him, my man couldn't dribble. And then he couldn't pass. Now, if you know anything about basketball, if your point guard can't dribble or pass, he can't be your point guard. Right? So I realized right there, like, ah, oh, I got the wrong guy in the wrong spot. We had to adapt, put somebody else there that could handle it. Well, God doesn't make that mistake. God knows exactly how he has wired you. And he knows exactly where to place you. And it's not for your own glory. It's so that the church can flourish, the body can do well, and God can be glorified. That is a humbling thing to know that God has gifted me in such a way to bring him glory and for our good. I used Patrick Mahomes earlier. Um, how many of you guys know who Patrick Mahomes is? All right, so this is a little bit heavy on football. Patrick Mahomes was the quarterback for the Chiefs. He just won the Super Bowl this past Sunday. Um, that's him right here, number 15. How many of you guys know who 72 or 71 are? Right? Not too many people are going to know who those guys are. I'll tell you who does. Patrick Mahomes. Right, so this guy, his last name's Fisher, his last name's Schwartz. These are the offensive line, the guys that protect Patrick Mahomes. Now, here's the thing. If... Kansas City had a team of only number 15, they would not win one NFL game. They would be destroyed. The defensive line would whoop Patrick Mahomes. It'd be awful. But a team with number 15 could win the Super Bowl. And you see, I don't think Fisher complains about Mahomes. I don't think Mahomes complains about Fisher Man, why, you need to throw the ball more, Fisher. I'll tell you what, you play quarterback a couple times and I'll be the tackle trying to protect you from guys that are trying to kill you. I don't think they complain like that. You want to know what I think they do? 
I think they rejoice at each other's giftedness. And, and you see, in a church, when we realize that God has gifted us in such a way, we're not in competition, but we're in cooperation, and we desperately need each other if we're going to be a healthy body. That's an awesome, awesome reality. So this just keeps on getting better. So it's by grace, and then each of us have a gift, but then number three is for our good. In Romans 12, 5, it says that so we are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Do you see the connectedness there? Do you see the interdependency that we have on one another? Or in 1 Corinthians 12, 7, to each is given the manifestation of the spirit, right? The, the spiritual gift for what? The common good. When you see Redemption Church as a body, it guards against three things. Number one, it guards from the attitude of what's in it for me. Some people look for churches with certain worship styles. Some people look for churches with a certain number. Some people like to hide in the back. Some people want to be involved. So they're looking for a number that's a, what's in it for me. Some people go to church uh, if there's any food or if there's coffee. And if the, the, the uh, previous church, we didn't have coffee one day because our electric was out. And everybody comes in, there was no coffee. And people got mad that there wasn't any free coffee provided for them. And I just thought, you've got to be kidding. So on these sheets right here, you see that line for comments? No joke. We had over 20 responses angry about free coffee. I'm thinking, gee, what in the world have we gotten here? It's not what it's about. And so when you see Redemption Church as a body, it guards against the idea of what's in it for me. All right. Number two, not only does it guard against that attitude, it guards against I'm just here for the show. Right. So if you view church as just showing up on Sunday, you're missing out on the concept of the body. Right. I desperately need the body Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So if all of your idea of church is showing up for an hour on Sunday, paying your dues and going, that's the wrong view of the church. That's a spectator mentality. You cannot have that. When Paul is writing this, the church is in, in each other's lives on a day to day basis. This is the awesome part that I have, the awesome opportunity that I have working at Holmes High School. So I have Mr. Fight on the third floor. I have a resource officer, Officer Petrie, who loves Jesus. I have students who love Jesus and can encourage and walk with Christ as we walk with Christ on a day-to-day -day basis. We have several teachers that love Jesus, several staff that love Jesus. I got Tuck in the gym. I got Humes in the collaborative. Man, there's a wealth of church members at Holmes High School. And so day to day, we're able to relate and connect with it. Now, here's the challenge. We have a lot of church members that live 20 miles away. How are we going to connect with each other on a day to day, weekly basis? Because that's what a body does. So it guards against a what's in it for me attitude or I'm just here for the show. But then it opens up our eyes. So here's the cool part. I wonder how many of us in the room came in today looking at others and saying, who can I help today? What need can I meet in the body today? Because we have some young guys that can lift and go and have energy. And we have some older members that have wisdom 
And when that rubs shoulders, the body grows healthy. So I wonder, what would this look like? I wonder what this would look like. So I started thinking, we have a lot of little babies. God has blessed us with a lot of little babies and kids. We also have people who have raised a lot of kids. And so God's gifted us as a church with pockets of wisdom of people who have raised children that can speak truth into young parents' lives. And I wonder what that would look like. One, this is just some thoughts that I'm thinking of. I wonder if the, the people who have raised the kids are like, well, this is how I do it, but it's my style. If you have biblical principles that you use for raising children, you need to share those principles. Because I tell you what, the world's not shy in saying, hey, this is how you should raise a kid. You should let them do this and this. And but the Bible has a lot to say. And so you have past mistakes and past successes that you can pass on. You should share those. And then I wonder for the young parents, like, can you believe he said that to me? I wonder, his kids weren't perfect, right? And there's this defensive attitude that we have to, but when you realize that you're a body, one body, one member helping another member, you can see it as, hey, this is a way maybe we can grow healthy. We have people in the room that have learned from financial mistakes and financial uh, successes that can pass that wisdom on the people who are trying to figure out how this thing works. We have people in the room with marriages that are great, marriages that are tough, but we've learned and we've walked through some things that we can pass that wisdom on to each other. And that's how the body works. You're gifted not because you need the glory, but because we need the good. And so, Mirdi, when you walked in today, there's somebody in the room that needed something from you today. But if you're only focused about you, would anybody see that? Jake Beard, you walked in the room today. Somebody needed something from you. But if you're only on yourself, would you be able to help anybody? No. Ben, when you walked in the room today, somebody needed something from you. But if you're only focused on getting through your points, are you going to admit? Yeah. So when you see us as a body, do you see how that radically transforms Redemption Church? Now, here's the cool part. Look around the room. It's a pretty diverse group. Right? And our giftedness is just as diverse. And this is what I know. We are in desperate need of each other. We are in desperate need of each other. And so, as we move forward, what I want us to do as a church, I want us to keep this in mind. We are one body, many parts, different members, doing different things, but working together for our Good. And so I had this, this silly little thing back here. Uh, now listen, it's silly, but it takes about 45 minutes to an hour to put together, and it's fragile. So Camden and I worked on this project. Now, you got a lot of Legos doing a lot of things here right now. Hey, this is pretty cool. This thing swings, right? All of these Legos come together so this can do this. You want to know what? Here, there's a part in here that doesn't get any credit. It's this little pole right here. Without that little piece of Lego, which, hey, that gets knocked under the couch, you'll never find it, right? But if you lose that little Lego, not connected to the rest of the Legos, you can't spin the swings. And if you can't spin the swings, what goes the swing set, right? So if one member wasn't attached to the other members of the Legos, you miss out on the whole point of the Legos. Now, this is why that's important. Do you see how important your role is when it comes to the church?
And the church is not an event. So you come here, it's like, well, I can't sing. I can't play the piano. I can't strum a guitar. So I guess I can't do worship. I don't like to be in front of people. I'm not a teacher, so I can't speak. I guess there's not much for me. That's not true. The church is not an event. It's a people. The church is 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And you have gifts. But here's the cool part. You only know your gifts in relation to the body. The whole point of that little black, little piece Lego is to be connected with other Legos. And then you see how valuable it is. Same is true of you. You want to know your giftedness? Be a part of the body. And then finally, and we'll close with this. It's by grace that we have gifts for our good, the body's good, but ultimately it's for God's glory. 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11. If you have notes or you have a phone, write that down. 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11. Says this, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace, in order that in everything God may be glorified. Our ultimate purpose as a church is to make much of God. Now, when you look around, you don't see what the church can show. You have people with all different backgrounds, all different interests, coming together for one purpose, to make much of Jesus, working together for each other's good. The world never ever sees that. That is a different community than what Covington has to offer. That is the exciting potential opportunity we have as Redemption Church. And every member is valued and valuable because when they come into the body, they bring something that God has given them for our good that we wouldn't have without them. And so it should work like this. When you play basketball, you get thirsty, right? When you sit down on the bench, do you tell your right hand to pick up that glass of water and take a sip? No, right? And the right hand doesn't say, you know what, I'm just tired today. I've dribbled that ball a lot. I don't have any more energy to pick up a cup of water and drink it. Doesn't work like that, right? The body's thirsty. The mind says something. The hand goes, reach, and boom, down the hatch, right? That's how a healthy body works. That's how I would love to see our church work in the future. I'd love us to know our giftedness. I'd love us to serve each other. I'd love for us to be worried about one another and how we can meet each other's needs because in that, God will be glorified. And so you, you have this piece of paper, and this is what I want you to write. I want you to put your names on there. If you want to, put your contact information so we can update our files. But at Redemption Church, we have on file 28 official members. And we only have 28 official members because I think it was 2016-ish we did interview process for membership. And, and this is what I mean by that. Number one, so one thing you can write on there has to do with what is very, very important, the most important. Are you in Christ? That's the number one thing. Right? If you're not in Christ, you can't be a member of Redemption Church because you're not a member of the church. So are you in Christ? I want to know more about salvation. So on your paper, write down salvation. I'm not sure if I'm in Christ. I, I want to know more about that. That's the one thing you can write down on your uh, note card. Number two, you know you're in Christ. 
but you've never been baptized or you're not sure if what you did counts or any of those questions related to baptism, write down baptism. And we've got this thing back here and we've got a date coming up for a baptism service. But I want us to be clear on what baptism is about. Baptism does not save you, but it does identify you. When you go under the water and come out of the water, you're saying, hey, I'm walking with Jesus. I have a new life in Christ. My sin is dead and buried. I'm walking with Jesus. So it's like putting on a jersey for a team. That's who you're repping. Very, very important. And then if we're clear on the gospel and we followed Jesus's example and are baptized we can talk about membership. Are you a member of Redemption Church? I would like to more, know more about membership. All you have to do is write down membership. And so those are the three things you can write down on the card. Salvation or baptism or membership. All right. If you don't have anything, you can write down one way we can pray for you this week. If you need something to write with, thank you, Charles. Charles will pass them around. Any pens or pencils. And then when you're finished with that, you can put them in the basket back there uh, on the corner of our soundboard table. All right. So I know that's a lot. I'm going to pray. I'll be around. If you have questions, uh, please ask. All right. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your church. Thank you for what you're doing in Covington. Uh, thank you for Redemption Church. Father, I pray that you uh, help us run to Jesus. And so I pray when it comes to salvation that we are clear on the gospel, that we love Jesus, that we know we are in him. I pray for other people that uh, are, are wondering about baptism, on why to do that, should I do that. Um, I pray that you give them wisdom and clarity on that decision. And then on membership, uh, Lord, I pray that uh, you give us a conviction to belong to your body. That's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.